0: Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops. I'm Matt Landis, and in this episode we'll work through the NFL Week 9 board through the lens of the best football gambling podcasts. We'll also talk some beer and break down some bets. So to kick it off, let's dive into what we're hearing. LOUD NOISES! As always, I've spent the week listening to the most prominent handicappers across the best NFL betting podcasts, and this week that entails insights from 11 bettors across six different podcasts, all in all about 11 hours worth of listening. I'm here to distill that down to about half an hour of the most actionable takeaways, plus some original analysis, and we've got six bets spanning the point spread, total, teaser, and prop markets, so let's get to it and run through the Week 9 board. Kicking things off with Seattle at Buffalo, Seahawks favored by three with reduced fig, total 55 as I record this Friday morning Pacific time, and we had two likes on the Seahawks. Those came from Suma on the Matchbook podcast and TA on the Sharp Angles podcast. We also had two likes on Buffalo, Steve Fezzik and Matthew Holt on the Dream Preview. Also, one like on the under... Dave Esler on the Dream Preview. Looking at the Seahawks' side of things, Seattle was Zuma's best bet on the Matchbook podcast. He says Buffalo's due for a regression. They're 6-2, but they have a negative point differential. T.A. touched on this point as well. And Suma sees the Bills as a middling team benefiting from a soft schedule. They've played two playoff contenders so far, gotten gashed both times, once at Tennessee, the next time hosting Kansas City. Suma also says the Bills' defense has taken a major step back this year. They're going to have to pick their poison against a dynamic pass offense from the Seahawks and on the other side of the ball, Josh Allen probably not going to be able to keep pace with Russell Wilson. Looking at TA's angle on the Seahawks, he got them at minus two and a half earlier in the week. Presumably he's still okay with minus three at low vig for a slightly reduced amount, and he sees Josh Allen as being back to his usual self. The first four weeks of the season, Allen was number two in EPA per dropback. Since that time, he's number 20. T.A. also mentions after the first four games, Allen was in the MVP conversation. Meanwhile, the last four games, more interceptions than touchdowns. And it reminds me of how we've heard a lot of talk this week about a red mirage here, a blue mirage there. I think Allen in that Buffalo uniform was a red and blue mirage the first month of the season. We're seeing his true colors over this past month. TA also brought in a dose of reality on the Seattle travel narrative. Russell Wilson's 22, nine and two against the spread in the Eastern time zone in his career, including eight, one and one in his last 10. And this trend alone isn't reason enough to get me on Seattle, but I do think it goes a long way in debunking the easy narrative of West Coast teams traveling east early body clock kickoff. TA also calls out there's help on the way for the Seattle defense. Jamal Adams expected to return. That's a big boost. Also, new acquisition Carlos Dunlap looking like a go on Sunday. And on the other side of the ball, TA calls out the Seahawks rank third in early down success rate, but only 28th on third down conversion rate. And early down success rate has a lot of signal to it. Third down conversion rate's a lot more noisy. We could see some positive regression coming for this Seahawks offense. Looking at the Bills' side, Matthew Holt mentions Buffalo's only two losses have come in back-to-back bad scheduling spots. There was a lot of uncertainty tied to the Titans' outbreak and how that threw a wrench into the Bills' schedule earlier this season. Fezzik shared a similar sentiment, and Matthew Holt also mentions a Seattle letdown narrative. They come into this game off back-to-back division wins. Fezzik adds to that saying it's also a sandwich spot. Not only those back-to-back division wins, but next week right back at it in division, Seahawks at the Rams in Week 10. Dave Esler's on the under in this one. He mentioned when Seattle has the ball, it could be weakness on weakness. The Buffalo defense, weaker at stopping the run than the pass. Meanwhile Seattle's offense, weaker rushing the ball than passing it. On the other side of the ball, Seattle's pass defense, yeah it's putrid, but Josh Allen, he's back to being inaccurate probably unable to capitalize on this matchup. So overall for this game, no consensus on either side, but I like the Seattle logic a lot better. We also got confirmation Friday morning. Buffalo's going to be without key cogs on both sides of the ball. They'll be without center Mitch Morse and linebacker Matt Milano. One more point on this one, this is the highest total on the week nine board, and that makes it a relatively shorter number to cover for the Seahawks. Next game on the board, Denver at Atlanta. Falcons laying four or four and a half, total 50. One like on the Falcons, that was Fezzik, one like on the Broncos, that was Adam Chernoff from The Simple Handicap, and three likes on the over, Fezzik, as well as Drew and Andy from The Deep Dive. Looking at Fezzik's angles on Atlanta and the over, on the side here, Fezzik says the Falcons come in underrated, they're 2-6, and six, but they should be at least 4-4, four and four, having suffered three losses in games in which they held a 96% probability to win. Fezzik also says the Falcons are better in their current form than the season-long stats would suggest, with a healthier Julio Jones making a big difference for the their offense. On the over, similar angle to the side with Julio Jones being healthier, making the Falcons offense more dangerous, and on the other side of the ball, Fezzik sees the arrow pointing up for Drew Locke in the Broncos offense. On the other side of this one, we've got Adam liking the Broncos. He says their season-long numbers have been misleading, they've suffered a lot of injuries, and they're also getting healthier, and Adam notes Denver's net yards per play only slightly below average for this season, and that's come against some pretty strong competition. Two more likes on the over, Drew and Andy. Drew's angle, the Broncos' defense is overrated in his eyes, especially with Atlanta's diverse set of weapons on offense this week. We could see that come into play. Andy agreed with that point, and he added that Atlanta's offense was poor in the red zone last week. That suppressed their scoring output, and we should see some positive regression. Overall for this game, I like the logic for the over. Both offenses getting healthier and trending in the right direction, and neither defense posing that much of a threat. Up next, Chicago at Tennessee, Titans laying six and a half, total 47 or 47 and a half. We have three likes on the Bears, Fezzik and Ross Tucker on the Even Money podcast, as well as Drew. One like on the Titans, that was Adam, and two likes on the over, Drew and Andy. Looking at the Bears side, Fezzik and Ross said they liked Chicago at 5.5 when they recorded the Even Money podcast. The line's moved against them since then. But Fezzik's really looking to fade the Titans' defense. He notes that last week against the Bengals, Cincinnati was down three offensive linemen. There was a lot of win in that game, and Tennessee still allowed 31 points. Drew and Andy used this same sentiment in their argument for the over and Fezzik saying, from a power rating standpoint in this side, Tennessee, only his 13th best team in the league, the market too high on the Titans in his eyes. Ross added that the Bears bring a good defense to the table, and that limits the blowout potential looking at this point spread. I didn't pick up on too much of a handicap from Adam when he said he liked the Titans, but he indicated he thinks they're a good bet against the spread or in a teaser. Looking at the total, Drew and Andy took over 46.5 earlier in the week. They got a good number. Like Fezic, they're looking to fade the Titans' defense with this play. Andy said the Titans' secondary is bad, and that's only magnified by a poor pass rush. And on the other side of the ball, Drew ranks the Titans' offense as the best in the league. One point I do want to flag here in case you're looking at the Bears side or the over in this one. Reports came out Thursday morning. Bears center Cody Whitehair tested positive. His backup also didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday due to a knee injury. The Bears offensive line already beleaguered. Tackle Jason Spriggs tested positive on Tuesday. And starting right guard Jermaine Effetti deemed a high risk close contact. He's expected to start, but that remains up in the air. So the Bears offensive line worth monitoring if you're looking to get involved in the side or total. Next game on the board, Detroit at Minnesota. Currently off the board, there's some uncertainty around Matthew Stafford's status. Reports indicate he hasn't tested positive, but he's been in close contact with someone who has. So we'll move on to the next game with some current betting opportunities, Baltimore at Indianapolis. Ravens minus one and a half, total 48. Two likes on the Colts, Fezzik and Matthew Holt, and two likes on the over, Suma and Drew. Looking at the Colts side, Fezzik took Indianapolis plus two and a half as his best bet on the Dream Preview, and that move through two isn't too significant, but it does seem like Fezzik got a good number. He calls out the Colts rush defense, only allowing 3.4 yards per carry, that's number two in the NFL, and that should make them equipped to contain Baltimore's strength on offense. Matthew Holt agreed with this point, and Fezzik added that from a health standpoint, things are improving for the Colts defense, linebacker Darius Leonard back in play. Meanwhile, things are deteriorating for the Baltimore offense, the loss of all pro left tackle Ronnie Stanley could loom large. And on the Dream Preview, RJ Bell brought up a distinction when it came to this matchup of the Colts' rush defense against that Baltimore rushing offense. The ability of a defense to stop running backs, not necessarily indicative of its ability to slow down running quarterbacks. And I think this is a good point. Betting on the Ravens backfired last week, but the bullishness on their unique run scheme played out true to form. We could see that again on Sunday against the Colts. Looking at the total, Suma and Drew on the over. They grabbed 47 when the Matchbook Podcast recorded. That's a good number. 47's key for totals. I think they'd still like 48 for a reduced amount. The handicap, Suma leading off with Baltimore's defense, having some COVID concerns, Marlon Humphrey out and possibly a free roll with some practice squad linebackers may be getting forced into action for the Ravens. Adam did report on the Friday morning simple handicap. It does look like everybody except for Marlon Humphrey going to be okay to suit up on Sunday, so we could see the odds adjust because of that news, but I do think that free roll element could still be in play after a very disruptive week of game prep for the Baltimore defense. On the other side of the ball, Suma notes the Ravens have a lethal rushing attack. He expects some positive regression for their passing game as well. When it comes to Drew's breakdown of the over, he says Lamar Jackson's at his best against a zone defense, and the Colts have a soft zone scheme that could open up some easy opportunities. Drew also adding, the Colts defense extremely overrated in his eyes because they've played some easy opposition so far this season. Andy said he likes the Colts in the teaser, but I think I'm going to stick with the over. I like the logic that Suma and Drew laid out. Yeah, they got a good number at 47. I still think this one's okay up to 48 for a reduced amount. Up next, Carolina at Kansas City. Chiefs laying 10.5, total 52.5. Three likes on the Panthers, RJ, Fezzik, and Drew. RJ said he likes Carolina because the Chiefs are a flip-the-switch kind of team. He doesn't expect full motivation from them in this spot. Fezzik agreed with that angle, and Fezzik also added the Chiefs have had some favorable breaks the past two weeks. They got a snow game in Denver when Drew Locke was inept with that offense, and last week the Jets didn't even try for a garbage-time touchdown that could have swung the outcome against the spread. Drew and Andy also made their secret podcast play on the deep dive. The Carolina team total over 21 at minus 115, and Andy implied he likes the Panthers in a teaser. Next game on the board, Houston at Jacksonville, Texans laying seven with reduced vig, total 50 and a half, and the Jaguars starting rookie quarterback Jake Luton, that's a major unknown. This has been a stay away game. Up next, Giants at Washington. Washington laying 2.5, total 43. Three likes on the Giants. Tommy the Hitman, the Giants were his best bet on the Dream preview, as well as Fezzik and Ross. Want to note, all three of these likes came at Giants plus 3 earlier in the week. I'm not sure if any of these likes would still apply at the current number of plus 2.5, but we can get involved on the Giants in another angle coming up shortly. Looking at Tommy the Hitman's handicap, these are equal teams in his eyes, with home field advantage reduced this season, plus three was simply too much. Fezzik and Ross shared this sentiment. Tommy the Hitman also noted Washington ranks last in the league in sack rate allowed. Andy and Adam implied they like the Giants in a teaser, with a low total that could bring less variance to this setting. Those are my thoughts exactly. I'll be teasing the Giants this week. Moving on to the late window on Sunday, Las Vegas at the Chargers, currently lined at Pickham, total 51.5, one like on the Raiders, that came from Andy, one like on the Chargers, that came from Adam. Andy's angle on the Raiders, Derek Carr is being more aggressive this season, that's really benefited the offense, and the Raiders have held their own against a difficult schedule so far. Adam implied he likes the Chargers because he sees this number as an overreaction to their blown lead last week in Denver. And I generally agree with this concept, but can't back it with this team. Anthony Lynn consistently makes suboptimal decisions to keep his opponents in the hunt, and I think it's fitting that under his leadership, the Chargers have become the first team in NFL history to go four straight games, blowing leads of at least 16 points. On the Even Money podcast recorded on Tuesday, Ross took a teaser, Raiders up through 7 to plus 7.5, tied with the Patriots minus 1. I happen to have the same bet in my portfolio. That's looking like a good number on the Raiders. They're not in teaser territory anymore, but New England still is. More on that later. Up next, Pittsburgh at Dallas, Steelers laying two touchdowns, total 42, and Fezzik likes Dallas mainly as a move to fade Pittsburgh. He's leaning into the letdown narrative with the Steelers off a big win at the Ravens last week. This is also Pittsburgh's third straight road game, and Fezzik notes that while the Dallas quarterback situation's ugly, it could be an upgrade from Ben DiNucci to either Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert. That unknown of the Cowboys starting quarterback this week also hinders the Steelers' ability to prepare. Next game on the board, Miami at Arizona, Cardinals laying four and a half, total 49. We had two likes on Miami, Drew and Andy, both looking to take the Dolphins against the spread, plus a small play on the money line. The Dolphins were Drew's best bet on the Matchbook podcast. Also had two likes on the Cardinals, Matthew Holt and T.A. The Cardinals were Matthew Holt's best bet on the Dream preview. Looking at the Dolphins' side, Drew said he likes them because he sees Arizona as being overrated. Their offense lacks explosiveness. Andy added to this point by saying that offense lacking explosiveness could could be a bigger factor against a good Miami pass defense. Drew said on the other side of the ball, he expects Tua Tagovailoa to be better this week against an Arizona defense with a poor pass rush, missing key pieces in the secondary. On the Cardinals side of things, Matthew Holt liked Arizona minus 5, that line's moved slightly against him, but from a matchup standpoint, he notes the Dolphins struggle with mobile quarterbacks, we saw that with Josh Allen earlier this season, that favors Kyler Murray in the Cardinals offense, TA making a similar point, noting Murray's dangerous as a runner, and the Dolphins have the worst rush defense in the league according to DVOA. Matthew Holt also notes on the other side of the ball, the Dolphins' offense benefited from four turnovers last week. That's unlikely to repeat. Two was gonna have to be better to justify this line. He says the look ahead of minus six didn't warrant much of a difference. The Cardinals are at home off their bye, and Miami didn't do enough to justify a big upgrade last week. TA's angle on the Cardinals involves fading Miami for similar reasons that I want to, but I haven't pulled the trigger on this one yet because this is a matchup between two teams I'd like to fade. Strikes me as a classic lay three take seven type of scenario that David Molenski would talk about in Point Blank. On the Cardinals side of the equation, I don't think they're as good as their 5-2 record, but I'm in no rush to back the Dolphins this week. They had a misleading final against the Rams in Week 8, and the stats need to be taken with a big grain of salt because of the game script we saw, but the box score is still too lopsided to ignore. The Rams outgained the Dolphins in first downs by a margin of thirty-one to eight. The Rams were also plus two point one yards per play, and Miami's offense in Tua's debut, a meager three yards per play, less than four yards per drop back, and their defense was on the field for 92 snaps. The Dolphins also benefited from two defensive and special teams touchdowns, and the offense also had a one yard touchdown drive, so they were essentially set up for a third defense or special teams touchdown. That's gonna be really tough to repeat, and we also knew last week Brutal schedule spot for the Rams this time. The Dolphins' opponent, Arizona, in a much more favorable spot at home off the bye. And speaking of the Rams for a moment, they're on a much-needed bye this week. I'm inclined to look toward them in Week 10 against Seattle. This is going to be a rare favorable spot for the Rams so far this season at home off their bye. Seahawks second straight road game. Being at Buffalo this week means it's going to be another week of cross-country travel for the Seahawks. I'm seeing a look-ahead line of Rams minus one, and a good showing by the Seahawks in Buffalo this Sunday could flip the. Favorite and add some appeal to the price point for the Rams, getting them in teaser territory would be awfully nice as a quick look ahead to the Week 10 board. Getting back on track as far as Week 9 is concerned, Sunday Night Football, New Orleans at Tampa Bay, Bucks laying 4.5, total 50.5, and we have six likes on the Saints, Ross, Fezzik, Drew, Andy, T.A., and Matthew Holt, one like on Tampa Bay, that was Adam Chernoff. And looking at the Saints side, Ross and Fezzik took New Orleans plus five and a half on the Even Money podcast. That's a good number. Their handicap was basically that these are pretty even teams. This line's too big. Drew, Andy, and Matthew Holt echoed that sentiment. And looking at Drew's angle on the Saints, the look ahead line for this one was minus four. He doesn't think a line move in favor of Tampa Bay was warranted based on what we saw from these teams last week. Drew also projects positive regression for the Saints defense and negative regression for Tampa Bay's defense. Matthew Holt supplemented this point, noting the Saints' defense ranks 23rd in points allowed per game, but eighth in yards allowed per game. And it looks like Andy's really getting loaded up for this one. He said he likes the Saints, the over 51 and a half, as well as the Saints team total over 23 at minus 120. The line has moved against him on the total, and the best number I'm seeing for the Saints team total is 23 and a half, but Andy still brought up some valid points. For the Saints offense, they're getting some wide receiver help. It looks like Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and Marquez Callaway all practicing and on track to return TA made this a point of his handicap as well, and Andy notes the Saints were just one for four in the red zone last week. They still won the game outright, and with some positive regression in the red zone, especially if their top receivers come back, the offense could perform much better this Sunday, Fezzik making a similar point in his breakdown. When it comes to Andy's handicap of the over, he said the totals come down from the opener of 54. He doesn't see that as warranted, but I think the forecast could be a big part of this. There's a possibility of rain, and more importantly, it's looking like it could get pretty windy. We could see winds north of that key threshold of 20 miles per hour. Adam said he likes Tampa Bay because the defense is really exceeding his expectations. The offense has been underperforming in his eyes, but it's getting healthy, and there's a free roll with the upside, adding Antonio Brown. Adam also likes playing on Tampa Bay here as a way to fade the Saints' defense. Overall, with this kind of consensus, I'm really inclined to give the Saints a hard look, and I probably already would have a ticket on them if not for one fly in the ointment. Drew Brees was limited in practice Wednesday and Thursday with an injured throwing shoulder, so I'm going to keep the Saints on the shopping list but need more information before making the final call. And moving on to Monday Night Football, New England at the Jets. Patriots laying 7.5 with reduced VIG, total 42. RJ likes New England, mainly as a way to fade the Jets. He also mentioned liking the Jets' team total under 17.5. The best I'm seeing is 17 or 17 and a 17.5 with heavy vig, but I understand the look to get against the Jets. Sam Darnold didn't practice Thursday. It does sound like he's going to play, but it's not a good sign that he's been limited leading up to the game. And as a way to get in play on this one, going to be teasing the Patriots down through the key numbers of 7-3. and three. Alright, so we've made it through the Week 9 board, and really, outside of football, just getting through this week up to this point calls for a beer break. Let's dive into what we're drinking. This week, it's an annual rite of passage and a David Malinsky favorite... Celebration Ale Fresh Hop IPA by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company in Chico, California. Celebration Ale clocks in at 6.8% ABV, and a quick note on the fresh hops, these are hop cones freshly picked and undried, used to make beer within 24 hours of harvesting, so the difference between this and most other hoppy beers is that a lot of IPAs use dried hops that have been refrigerated for a year or more. Those can still produce outstanding results, but with fresh hops we get less bite, a little more herbal, there's only a small window annually to get our hands on fresh hop beer, because of the hop harvest timing, so it's a real treat to get our hands on one, especially when that one is Celebration Ale. Looking at the appearance of Celebration Ale, it pours a deep amber with a thick white head that clings to the glass, and there's also that iconic label on the bottle. I'll post a photo on Instagram at Props and Hops. Celebration Ale's aroma and flavor, not your typical holiday beer with sweetness and spice. Instead, this one's got plenty of pine, plus some citrus and caramel giving way to some bitterness and then a nice crisp finish. Overall, Celebration Ale's been consistently great year in and year out since it was first brewed in 1981. It's a comforting tradition at a time when we could sure use it, and if we're going to be drinking Celebration Ale this weekend, hopefully we'll have some wagers worth celebrating as well. Let's move on to what we're betting. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. And with all eyes on the White House this week, thought it would be appropriate to give a nod to a different kind of White House, so to speak, Casablanca worthy of a spot on the Mount Rushmore of greatest movies of all time. And yes, gambling is going on in here, so let's break it down. One side this week, Seahawks minus 3, minus 105 at Buffalo, following the leads of Suma and TA. I think this line understates the gap between these teams in their current form, and with it being the highest total on the board, it's a relatively short number for the Seahawks to cover. Two totals in pocket this week, the first one following the leads of Fezzik, Drew, and Andy, Denver-Atlanta over 50, both offenses getting healthier and trending upward, neither defense much of a threat, and the second total of the week following the leads of Suba and Drew, Ravens-Colts over 48. I see this as a free roll on the Ravens defense being disjointed, and the offense for Baltimore getting a good matchup against the Colts' defensive scheme. One teaser in pocket as well this week, the Giants plus 8.5 at Washington paired with the Patriots minus one and a half at the Jets. The Giants side of the equation, they're about evenly matched with Washington, and this is the third lowest total on the board that increases the relative value of each point we get and teasing the underdog up through three and seven. Meanwhile, with the Patriots, this is largely a way to fade the Jets and put the math to work, taking the superior team to do little more than win outright. Two props in the portfolio as well this week. First one, Broncos first team to score at the Falcons. Denver's one of only two teams in the league that elects to receive when winning the coin toss, according to my charts, and we've got a high total in this game that increases the value of getting the first possession. I don't think the Broncos electing to receive is built into this price, and we could see a quick result in this one, looking to play it at plus 110 or better come Sunday morning when it's more widely available. And lastly, you guessed it, going back to the well, Seattle's the new Dallas with this prop, taking the Seahawks and Bills, shortest touchdown under one and a half yards, good up to minus one. 175. This game has the highest total on the board this week. That means we should see more touchdowns. That increases the probability of one-yard touchdowns. And I understand that a one-yard touchdown can sound like a rare occurrence, and anything can happen in a sample size of one bet on one game. But I think one-yard touchdowns happen more than most people would think. Last week, we cashed on this prop with Seattle-San Francisco, punching in three touchdowns from the one-yard line. I think we could see something similar on Sunday in Buffalo. The Seahawks near the goal line have a dual threat in quarterback Russell Wilson and Buffalo's soft rush defense could be very accommodating. Meanwhile, if Buffalo gets the ball near the goal line, Josh Allen, another dual threat at quarterback. All right, rapid fire recap Seattle minus three at Buffalo, Denver, Atlanta over 50, Baltimore, Indianapolis over 48. One teaser the Giants plus eight and a half at Washington, paired with the Patriots minus one and a half at the Jets, and two props Broncos first team to score at the Falcons, and Seahawks Bills shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. And last but not least, the Malinsky Minute. This week's words of wisdom. It takes a full spectrum to make a proper life portfolio. This was one of the final text messages I ever received from Dave. It came in the spring of 2018 as we were planning a summer get-together in Las Vegas to map out strategy for the future of the House of Yards podcast we were working on together. And I received this from Dave in response to my calling out the juxtaposition that at just about the same time he'd be seeing the color purple at the Smith Center in Las Vegas, I'd be seeing the offspring at the downtown Las Vegas Event Center. And true to form, Dave responded with a positive outlook in the most enlightening possible way. Tying this in with what we're doing here, football betting is pretty much never the most important thing any of us should be doing, especially in a year like this, and especially in a week like this, but it's a welcome respite now more than ever. And whether it's betting, beer, or anything else, if something brings you joy and comfort right now, it's probably a good time to allow yourself to indulge responsibly this weekend. There's nothing wrong with unwinding and recharging. In fact, it's not just okay, but it's necessary in order to fill out the other end of the spectrum in the interest of a proper life portfolio. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of Props and Hops. Thank you so much for listening. If you found any value in this episode, please share it with a friend who could benefit as well. Now let's get out there and enjoy week nine in the NFL. I'll be back at it next Friday for week 10. And before then, I'll be back with a special episode featuring the first guest on Props and Hops. You won't want to miss it if you're interested in what's going on across the legalization landscape in the United States. You can subscribe to this show to get it automatically in your podcast feed. I'll also post a link on Twitter at MLandis18 when the special episodes live so we've got week nine this weekend plus a bonus episode early next week to look forward to and in the meantime let's bet well let's drink well and let's be well